um, my father left the false horizon of uh, Lake Michigan when he was 18 for the open Pacific Ocean. He wanted to live on Venice Beach with his uh, pet monkey and uh, three bandmates. He was a drummer. Um, like many people who leave home, uh, like many people starting any journey, he was not just leaving something behind, he was uh, going somewhere new. Um, what he was leaving behind was a notion of how to be an American that he didn't kind of want to comply with. His mother had fled fascism in Italy. His father had fled genocide in Armenia. His father had been stuck on a tugboat with 30 other families for three months, just waiting in the Bay of Constantinople before they were given the okay to cross the Atlantic to come to this country. And so both his parents really had a notion of what it meant to be a part of this uh, this uh, civil discourse here and participate in, in the Vietnam War and all these things with which he really disagreed. So he wanted to kind of start over. Um, so there he was in Venice Beach paying 50 bucks a month to live on the Venice canals, um, <laughs> if you can imagine. Um, and uh, and he, he this was 1968. He bought Van Morrison's Astral Weeks, which had just come out. It's a beautiful album, kind of received in just a few days. Very fluty, a lot of uh, different kinds of instrumentation. And it's all about um, being transported to another place and another time. And my father sat in his new living room with his new life and listened to this new album over and over and over. He put that vinyl on over and over and over um, and thought about what a miracle it was and what kind of new possibilities were waiting for him on the other side of this experience. It was like everything was new. Um, I will get back to my father, but I wanted to tell a couple of other episodes that kind of came up for me when I was asked to speak about endurance, and I thought about music and what it does for you, uh, both in terms of like getting back into memory and getting through uh, the experiences that become memory. Um, so the, the first episode, other than my father, that I will bring up is uh, an ex-boyfriend who was a veteran um, of the global war on terror. And he was trained for torture. He's a big fellow, big frame. And they built a box just a little bit smaller than that frame um, so that he couldn't sit and he couldn't stand. Um, and, uh, you know, this was going to go on for a couple days. He was going to have to be in this little space. And they began to pump sounds into this box. It was babies crying. It was propaganda in multiple languages, some of which he understood, some of which he didn't. Um, and this would be something that, that could potentially break you physically, but also break you mentally, right? This is really annoying, beyond annoying. Um, but instead, he chose to kind of take that sound as rhythm. And he stood in that box, and he used his body to turn that stuff into music and get through this as if this were song. So the crouch became an actual posture that became the story that he ended up being able to relate to me. It's how I remember that. It's how I remember the story. It's how he remembers having gotten through that event. And that's something that I've noticed in a lot of my work. I was in Uzbekistan in June, and I was talking to people about some really tricky stuff. It's stuff we call forced labor. Um, <laughs> um, there are different ways of describing what goes on there. But every fall, for generations, uh, people have been asked to leave school, leave teaching, leave being a student, leave any number of other jobs, and go pick cotton. Um, they get on a bus, and they go out there. 
It's not something that's pretty easy to kind of create narrative around. Um, if you're not kind of trained in creative narrative, creating narrative, it's either good or it's bad, right? Um, but when I ask them about what they remember hearing, what they remember singing, what they remember listening to on these trips, they got right back into the detail and the specificity of these experiences. And it was no longer just I was, you know, the victim of a system larger than myself or or I met my husband, right? It wasn't those binary kind of experiences. So because this has gone on for so long, I was able to talk to people from like three different generations about what they remembered. And that would be like, you know, the gypsy or the Tajik song on the bus where this guy had the most amazing voice. And so he started. And as we drove, we saw the villages change. Or as the Soviet Union began, it, uh, you know, uh, the, the Soviet songs came up and people began to remember all the things they shared. The stories became about communal nature of these like, you know, no plumbing kind of little shacks on the, on the, on the fields. You know, we shared we shared toilet paper, we shared chocolate, we shared uh, our first tastes, uh, tastes of cognac. Um, and then as the Soviet Union began to break up, uh, people began to listen to other things, German punk, uh, the Backstreet Boys, and these are the things that they remembered about getting through these things. But coming up with that music was not just the change of political regime and the actual little objects that they shared, but also first loves, right? They remembered who they fell in love with, they remembered the friendship and the communal nature of this experience, um, and they remembered all the things that got them through something which larger scale kind of interviews uh, kind of missed. So, so I, I kind of took from that experience a similar thing that I took from my boyfriend's story, which was, you know, that, that music can get you through uh, an experience, uh, but it can also get you back into it. Um, so that brings me back to my dad and uh, my role here at USD. I actually took this job five years ago because um, he had gotten cancer and my mother had had a stroke and they clearly needed help. This was the moment to come back from Russia where I was on a Fulbright um, to uh, to teach and be here in Southern California. And um, so I arrived back from Russia, started working, went up to LA, did the stem cell transfer for him, uh, <laughs> and uh, came back down, started teaching again. By January, uh, it was clear that something had gone wrong between the host and the graft in his stomach. He had lost suddenly all of his body weight, half of it, and uh, he was going to have to go back into the hospital around his birthday in February. Um, so I began to drive up after class and, uh, you know, just try to attend him because my mother couldn't because she'd had that stroke. And, um, and I realized that this was going to be the end of his life, that this is where he was going to die. This person who had devoted himself as a graphic designer to his eyes and his hands, as a drummer to his ears, uh, you know, as a, just a, a cultural critic in our family to food and, and to, to, you know, to, uh, to taste, uh, all of his senses were suddenly stripped of him. It wasn't just that he was going to die here. It was that he was in a sensory deprivation tank, um, like that little box that I remember from my veteran. And, um, and I was horrified, you know, death is death. People die, but this is not how it's supposed to be. So I began to think of ways that I could, illustrate the space for him and bring in some color and some smells and, you know, provide bone broth. And one day I pressed play and I, I pressed play on Astral Weeks itself. And I, I knew he liked this album, but I didn't know the story behind it. 
And here's my dad, and he's in this bed, and he can barely move a finger. Um, you know, he's, he's, I have his face, but, you know, imagine it with, like, half the flesh, you know. Um, and he just is so triggered by this music, he begins to weep, he begins to rock. He is so transported to that other time and place. It was as if through this album, I was actually witnessing someone relive their life in front of my eyes. Um, and he began to tell me about that experience of being 18 and uh, having before him the rest of his life, uh, which was so intense of an experience that a nurse actually came to the door, opened it, and then backed away. Like she could see that there was all of this kind of energy happening in this room. Um, so we listened to the whole album together. And, you know, the story doesn't end well. He died. You know, people, you know, a guy went to war and was tortured. These people have to do forced labor. My father died. But, but what I take from it, really, um, you know, uh, not only that music could kind of get me through that situation, driving up and down the coast, uh, not only that he could be transported from that room to some extent every time I turned on a new album, but uh, that through any of these situations that we are all forced to endure, um, you know, music is one way that we're reminded um, that we have a choice as to how we experience them um, and uh, how, how much we engage. Uh, so that's my story. Thank you.